Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your champion of cognac today. That's what I'm going to be. Uh, the main man here. I got a friend here is Andrew Sherbakov, who uh, was in a, co- a week ago sharing some world-class vodka with me, and uh, he brought in some wonderful cognac. And if you're into spirits, folks, uh, you got to check out the uh, Washington Distillers Guild. All these great distillers here locally. They're trying real hard. They're making really quality stuff, and um, they're trying to be world-class, just like cognac. Someday they'll be imp- exporting to France because they want something new and unique. And uh, of course, uh, there's always uh, something new to try, which is great about the new privatization of uh, spirits here in Washington, although the taxes are a little wrong, but we don't have an income tax, so I'll go with it. Anyway, uh, glad you're here tonight, and I hope you just sit back, relax, and tell me what you got in your glass. We should uh, send me a tweet at at Happy HR Radio. Um, I'm going to have, well, I've got three glasses in front of me. How about that? And it's all uh, this beautiful brown spirit. I love the liquid brown coming from um, France, of course, when it's about brandy. And uh, brandy is a, a wine that's been distilled. Uh, it can be a fruit. Um, and a lot of times it's called eau de vie. And in cognac, of course, they take this wonderful um, distillation from these specific grapes grown in a very rich limestone soil and they put it in a very very special oak it's a limousine oak and uh, I just love it and they age it for a long time and it comes out nice and smooth just like my friend here Andrew Shabrakov hey welcome back to happy hour yeah thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here so the last time we were talking we were uh, you introduced me to this fantastic vodka it was called Balenoff and that's actually a French vodka um, it's a lovely uh, frosted glass bottle with the two uh, dancing polar bears um, and that was, well, we can't say who it was made from, but it was made by a very, very prominent company. And now they're making something that got that company launched because this stuff is really, really tasty. It is really tasty, high quality, and really affordable. In yeah, I love it. So, Balanoff, you got to try that because the person who makes, the family that makes Balanoff is actually a cognac producing family, correct? That's correct. They're a uh, fourth generation of cognac masters. And that's a long time. That's at least 100 years, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you got that French paradox. Um, they're living a long time. So that's probably 150 years when they come down to it, which is interesting because a lot of times you see, you see that uh, there are these cognacs that are so rare that are 150 years old, and that's because you know the great-great-grandfather started it. Um, the Pasquinet family is uh, fourth generation. Uh, what do you know about the Pasquinet family of cognac? So Pasquinet uh, has been established by uh, John Jan Ricard, who is the uh, father, uh, you know, grand grandfather of uh, of theirs, and he was born in 1906. Okay. And um, the he he been uh, working on on getting the um, he got passionate about the, in 1928 he got passionate about cognac and got into this business of producing uh, fine high quality cognacs, and. Um, then the Second World War II started, and um, in 1946, uh, when the France was emerging from the uh, from the ruins of uh, you know from the war, uh, he his kids actually took it over, 
and they started to produce uh, <coughs> cognac. And uh, as a matter of fact, they do have uh, some uh, some barrels of uh, fine spirits that is still in the in the barrels uh, since 1946. Wow. Well, that would be a C. We're talking about uh, coming up on 60 years then, or 70 years. Oh, yeah. All right. So in five years from now, they'll have that released. It'll be the 75th anniversary. That's right. Uh, we'll call it the Cognac Victoire or something. So, but uh, when they started it, uh, they called their cognac, and they still, uh, this cognac still exists, um, this line of the cognac. It's called uh, the main, the... Uh, Fokudat. Say that again? Domain. Oh, Domain. Yeah, Domain de uh, Fokudat. And uh, so this is Pascunet. How does that name uh, relate to the Domain Fokuna? So uh, Jeanette and, and Gilbert Rigard, uh, when they started in 1946, they actually decided that they're going to uh, have a brand called Pascunet. And Pascunet has the... Uh, you know, big elephant with the... Uh, the winged elephant. Winged elephant, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I remember <laughs> which uh, children's story or folktale or uh, Greek mythology that's from. What's the story behind that? I have no idea why why, why is it uh, why is it there, but I know that the, the two, uh, husband and wife, decided <laughs> that they're going to call it Pasconate and brand it as a Pasconate in 1946. So the Pasconate exists uh, since, 1940, uh, since 1946. Okay, so maybe what it is, you finish the bottle and then uh, tusked elephants can fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so fun. Um, so Andrew Shedrikoff is the... Uh, the you're the sole... You That's and your right. wife? Me and my wife, yeah, exactly. Excellent. Yes. And uh, so you are the uh, distributor and the salesperson and the spokesperson for the company. So, uh, yes, basically uh, I'm a sales guy and, and, the, and the owner, and my wife is a sales girl and, and the owner, <laughs> and we have a couple more salespeople working for us. All right. Uh, well, what a treat. When did you start? When did you said you were founded in 2012? 2012 when we got into a uh, hard liquor business okay. or a spirits business, yeah. we would call it, and, and started to bring in uh, a new products, uh, high quality that were not available during the state-run uh, business. So which came first for you, the, the Balanoff Vodka or the Cognac? So the Balanoff Vodka came first. and Because uh, you were in New York, and that's where you tasted it. Yes, and then uh, I found out later on that they, they actually do have a Cognac as well, and uh, I wanted to introduce Cognac, uh, and I tasted this Cognac, and I thought the quality of it is exceptional. And I know uh, I knew that I was going against the big brands like uh, Hennessy and others. Sure. Well, they got the. They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, great marketing and a lot of money behind them. Uh, so, but I I wanted to bring that in. Uh, so people who do uh, interested in cognac and uh, connoisseurs of it, they would actually enjoy the quality and small production of it, uh, and. Um, enjoy something new that they were not able to, to get in the past. All right, so only cognac comes from the region of cognac, much like champagne comes from the region of champagne in France. And we're talking about a distillate of from wine in basically the three white grapes, uh, Faux Blanche, Uni Blanc, and uh, Colombard or Trebbiano. Uh, they distill it, then they age it in limousine oak. Now, there's a couple levels of quality, some denotations. They've got the VS, the VSOP, the XO, and then they have something grand and uh, really, really old, I think they call it. Um, but VS stands for, in, uh, in English, it's very special. Uh, uh, of course, the VSOP is very special, old pale, and then the XO just means 10 years or more. And these are basically, uh, to put these letters on your cognac, you need to have, by law, a minimum of two years aging for VS, 
four years aging in VSOP, and six plus, I think it is for ORS, or is it eight? I forget. I got to study that. And it must be only matured in French limousine oak, which is a very special kind of oak uh, barrel tree. Well, same kind of tree, Jim Barrel. <laughs> yes. So what a treat. Uh, uh, let's taste this first VS, um, the Pasquene Cognac uh, with the Flying Elephant on the on the label. Um, VS is, uh, again, this is aged between two and four years, and they blend those to get a consistent house style, right? That's right, yes. Mmm, smells great. Yes, you're getting, uh, you're getting a lot of um, notes of the caramel and vanilla notes from the oak. It's really smooth, tasty. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to say. It's tray smooth and tray tasty. That's French, right? Mm. Yes. Wow. Well, for a very youthful cognac, it reminds me very much. They figured out something here. It's either the water or what they do to make this stuff round because this is so silky smooth and round. It, it just fills the mouth. Um, caramel, almond, uh, more of a, um, a sweet... Uh, um, praline pecan and there's a touch of orange there's a little bit of citrus and acid in this which I think is really phenomenal uh, the limousine oak gives you that spice vanilla and um, just enough dryness just enough uh, oak tannin to cleanse your palate to clear it and the alcohol doesn't burn sometimes obviously cognacs because they're, they're they can be young and youthful they tend to be a little fiery but this is delicious delicious uh, yes and VS you know, when you try this VS, you think, oh, it's probably not the VS, it's something something else. It's more high, higher quality. Excellent. Well, um, wow, that's a, this is <laughs> going to be a great <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> I look out for my other guests. Um, so VSOP, obviously the next level in quality is uh, a minimum age of four years in French Limousine Oak. It's, of course, the same um, uh, same great varieties. And, uh, of course, it's all uh, double distilled, right, in a, uh, in a specific special kind of still. Yeah, so it's uh, double distilled, and they use uh, uh, this uh, famous uh, production uh, is called... Uh, Charente's uh, Alembic still, right? Yes. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> oh, good. Glad to know something. Uh, well, I'm going to try this, because so the blue label is the VS. The uh, red label is the VSOP, the VSOP. Yeah, so VSOP uh, is actually uh, five to seven years. Uh, that we're trying right now, and mm-hmm. um, mm, yeah, the oak much more prominent, but this has a little more texture, a little more uh, weight to it, more um, complexity, more complexity. And uh, what was great about these guys is also uh, all the grapes are coming from their own vineyards. Ah, uh, how bi- how large is their production for cognac? So um, I'm not sure about the exact quantity of uh, cases, but I, I know for sure it's a small production of uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, big flavor, small production. Uh, you down with VSOP? Yeah, you know me. You down with VSOP? Yeah, this is good. Uh, Pascone Cognac. Again, do you have these at your uh, your partners, the whole Total Wine and Whole Foods and the Gasquins and? Yeah, so basically Pasquene, uh we just started to introduce it uh, about mid of uh, last year, and uh, it's not as uh, as available of, as our famous Valen of Vodka from the same producer, uh, but it is uh, available in all of the Whole Foods. It's not available at Total Wines, but uh-huh. it, it is available in some of the QFC stores, and also available at... Um, all, all of the privately owned sure. liquor stores. Very good. Let's talk about the price point on uh, the VS and VSOP. So VS at Whole Foods would uh, cost you 20, uh, $29 um, uh-huh. before taxes. 
Okay. So you're in that $40 range. Yes, uh, about $41. Mm -hmm. uh, VSOP is uh, $39 hmm. before taxes. Right. So you, you go to about uh, 50 bucks. Uh, you know where that extra money's going, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Angel share. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, um, of course, the XO is one of the most recognized. Um, that was really the premier level of many of the houses here. Uh, and this is called Pascane Cognac XO. Tell me about this one. The EXO uh, that we have right now is actually um, considered to be 18, year, 18 years old. To, to get the, to 18 years old, you know, uh, they need to follow the, uh, so, you know, they get the 18-year-old 18, uh, 18 uh, spirits, and it has to be more than 55% of that, and then they add some younger uh, spirits to it. Mm. Uh, but um, mo most of what you're drinking right now is 18-year-old. Uh, spirits and um, it has more color, has more aroma to it. Of course, it has more weight and and uh, um, more complexity as well. Uh, th this is much more um, interesting and rounded bottle too. Um, lots of flavor uh, and this this one is uh, as well as as smooth as uh, any other products from the Pasquinet. Uh, this is a fantastic spirit. You say we it has weight to it. But on the palate, it feels so light, but it just kind of permeates, and it just sort of—it's a very—it's like a deep tissue massage, in a good way. It's not like getting your elbow in there. This is mm -hmm. like getting those just your hands, and uh, we could call this a Swedish massage. I'm <laughs> <from> Sweden. <laughs> we'll call it a French massage. Uh, the Exo Cognac—you uh, can definitely get the wood notes on off the nose. Uh, the limousine oak just screams, um, but very, very pleasant pecan, almond, uh, toffee, orange, and. Um, uh, just a long finish. What a treat. Okay, well, finally, the price for this one? So the price for that one right here, for the 18-year-old, uh, it, it is around uh, $60 uh, before before that. Which is a great deal for XO. They're, they're spending that much time in Oak, and obviously you lose a bunch of angel share. Well, Andrew Sher uh, Sherbakov of <laughs> GlobalSpiritsAndWine.com. Uh, the Pasquene Cognac line is fantastic. Thank you for introducing it to me here on Happy Hour Radio. And I'll remember the Balanoff Vodka. Um, let's get you back on the show, and we can talk about some of your wines. That would be really nice. All right. Thanks for joining me Happy Hour Radio, folks. Hey, stick around. We've got uh, some more great guests, um, and I'm going to finish this cognac. Hope you got something great in your glass, because we'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. Hope you got something great in your glass, and I have the pleasure of having... Hannah Hanley with uh, Heritage Distilling Company out of Gig Harbor. She's brought three lovely bottles of, I don't, don't want to say booze, of, of fine uh, artisan <laughs> spirits here. Uh, Hannah, welcome back to Happy Hour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so fun. Last time we talked, I fell in love with your BSB, your brown sugar bourbon, which uh, I think was very well balanced and delicious. Um, remind me, how much does that cost? That runs about twenty four dollars at most re retailers, so twenty four plus tax. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's really 
a sweet deal. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always sensitive to sugar in my drinks. Um, you know, I'm just watching this beautiful figure. Oh, yeah. yeah and uh, BSB, the brown sugar bourbon, just worked really well. Plus, plus it's uh, it's full proof, right? No, it was only it was a little it lighter. It is 60 proof, so yeah. it's a little lower proof, but it goes really nicely into some uh, classic cocktails that you wouldn't expect. So a BSB old-fashioned is pretty nice. I uh, bet, yeah, because they add a little sugar to that, too, sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, wonderful. You've got uh, some colorful spirits here. I see something that has this beautiful lavender hue, purple, and then there's this uh, somewhat orange tangerine uh, ruby red color, <laughs> I'm leading the witness, and then uh, uh, something lovely and clear, which uh, is clear a color? Uh, I don't think so on the Roy G. Biv spectrum. Oh, I like it. <laughs> uh, that'd be transparent or uh, yeah, um, invisible spectrum. So uh, let's talk about Heritage Distilling. You have a tasting room down there, and you're down in Gig Harbor. Yeah, so we actually have two distinct tasting room distillery locations in Gig Harbor. One is our flagship production facility by the Inn at Gig Harbor, and then one is located on the waterfront in downtown Gig Harbor. And downtown Gig Harbor. Yeah, it's a very cute <laughs> little historic area right on the water there. So, uh, is that, that right by the marina? Is that where the marina is? Yep. Yeah, okay. really close to the marina. Yep. <laughs> all right. So, how long is downtown? Is that like a four block stretch or? <laughs> it's actually, if you go all the way around the bay, it is about, uh, I believe, two miles. So okay. That's a little ways. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, two tasting rooms are open. Daily? Our flagship location is open Monday through Saturday, and our waterfront tasting room is open. Seven days a week. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. All right, so you've got a, a good following down there, huh? All those, yes. uh, all those sailors, all right? They like their heritage. <laughs> yes, our Gig Harbor population loves us. They are our locals are they're huge supporters of us. Awesome. So. <laughs> well, that's what counts. So, um, you, someone got creative and tell me about uh, these flavored vodkas you have. Yeah, so we released the flavored vodkas uh, about a year and a half ago, and they're all naturally flavored. And it's kind of a funny story. We started working on the flavored vodkas uh, for a restaurant that was looking for an all-natural flavored vodka to replace what they had on their shelf. And so we worked with them, and uh, when we were testing all the recipes, <coughs> we started developing more and more and more flavors. And now we have <laughs> about 22 naturally flavored vodkas total. So the ones you have in front of us are, or in front of you are your uh, lavender vodka and the ruby red grapefruit vodka. So natural flavored vodka for this restaurant. Yeah. So once we started developing all the recipes, our team came together and we just started coming up with more and more ideas of flavors. And <laughs> really? All, all of a sudden, there was a list of 22. Uh, see, that's what committees do, right? Oh, yeah. I love that idea, but how about this one? 22 flavors, huh? So 22 flavors. Uh, we sell all of them out of our tasting room. But you we, have 22 flavors? We do. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yep. So there's a Baskin and Robbins uh, sign coming up, right? Oh, yeah. We just need a few more and then we can get to the 31 flavor mark. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, you could probably ca cash in on that. Well, 22 flavors. Um, you have a lavender vodka here today in a ruby red grapefruit, but let's tease the audience. Uh, tell us what other kind of flavors you have out there. We do everything from bacon to sweet ghost pepper. Um, we sweet have, ghost pepper. Yes, yeah. So it It's adds sweet a, and fiery, right? Yeah, it adds a little heat to a drink without changing any of the flavor. So it's really nice hmm. next time I'll bring that okay I like it uh, and how many so we're, that's uh, well we need 18 more <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what else we have uh, mango coconut pineapple kind of in the tropical range uh, we do hibiscus which is uh, very different it has um, a little more herbal flavor to it 
and uh, let's see, citrus, of course, lemon, lime, uh, ginger is one of my favorites. The mm. grapefruit, which I brought today, is my absolute favorite that we make. Um, tangerine. Wow. Yeah. So. That's great. And so everything is all natural. Yep. Natural colors, natural flavors. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously there's some sweetness to some of these, seeing that they're yeah. 60 proof typically. Yeah. We actually use a cane sugar base, which makes them shelf stable. So um, adding that bit of sugar in with those natural flavoring and then putting that in with the alcohol. Do you put ingredients on your label here? Um, just a warning. <laughs> so no, just good. the government warning. Uh, gluten-free, is... <laughs> distilled from grapes with natural flavor added. Mm. All right. Okay, well, um, let's try the lavender. I think lavender is one of those uh, lovely smells that takes me back to Provence. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a bunch of lavender uh, on our driveway in Walla Walla at our vineyard, and um, I kind of dig the color, you know? Go dogs. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's more like a northwestern purple, though, I think. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so let's taste this. And... Um, uh, what's your production for these typically? Do you make a batch for all year, or are you actually continuing replenishing the inventory? We make a batch generally for the year based on the ingredient, and then if we need to re-up based on inventory needs, then we kind of go from there. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And um, how many trials does it take to find the perfect balance or the balance that the house likes? Uh, that took some time, for sure. Everyone has different tastes, and so... Uh, with the lavender, we did different ratios and ended up with this one, which is um, lavender forward, but not too floral. So it goes really nicely with lemonade or in a lavender lemon drop. Oh, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lavender is one of those things that it has to be just enough because too much starts to get a little um, uh, sachet in, in, exactly. your, in your drawer. <laughs> and uh, sometimes that's a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, this definitely has some sweetness, and I think that carries the lavender. I would like to see it a little less sweet, personally, because I don't, you know, my sweet tooth I say for pecan pie. Okay. Is that one of your flavors? No, not yet. That's okay. a good idea, though. That is a good idea. Um, <laughs> This is a lovely color. What does the lavender vodka run? That is about 18 plus tax. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's really light. Mm-hmm. I think you could go a little stronger on that. Okay. A little more. <laughs> I want higher proof. This is Saturday night, by the way. Uh, we want uh, <laughs> powerful, lovely, beautifully balanced drinks. And um, it is definitely pretty. So that's an actual, do you add color or is that coming from the extract or the flavoring? That is coming from the flavoring. Cool. Mm-hmm. And where do these come from? France? The lavender? Yeah. Um, we source the lavender. It actually comes to us as the, the simple syrup kind of base, mm. and um, that comes from different companies depending on... Okay, because we have a... There's a lavender festival over across the water there. Yeah, I think it's Squim. with Squim. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. we got to get someone over there making it that way. You'll be uh, local, and yeah. all that money will stay here. Yep. There is a gig harbor farm that we use sometimes as cool. well. Cool. Yep. All right. <laughs> so as far as ruby red grapefruits, obviously we don't have that here. <laughs> Maybe in 50 years when global warming is uh, <laughs> working on us. Uh, so talk about this one. Yeah. So the grapefruit is the... The most distinct, I think, on the nose. It's very uh, grapefruit forward, very citrusy. And uh, again, all naturally flavored, just has that nice sweetness to it. Um, this one's my favorite because it has the tartness yeah. of the grapefruit for sure. Yeah, I think the acid and a little bit of tannin, um, that's a signature for Ruby Red. And Ruby Red is always a little more sweet, a little more. Um, fruity than yellow or white grapefruit. Those can be a little bitter and very distinctive. Um, the aroma for grapefruit is, uh, you can't miss it. It's always um, um, quite, it's a standout. And I think this, uh, the color's pretty. Um, 
these are almost look like Easter eggs to me. <laughs> right? This is like that that nice pale color you put on an Easter egg. And uh heck, that's these are probably great drinks for though. You could probably add some to a mimosa. And, oh yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, we do what we call the manmosa. We have a blood orange vodka, so The manmosa. Yeah, huh? blood orange vodka champagne or sparkling wine and uh, orange juice over ice in a pint glass we with a do, straw, you know. Oh, I like yeah, straw. <laughs> Two straws. Uh, the Mommosa for Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. And these are both about the 18 bucks? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the ruby red. I think you get a little more uh, uh, texture and profile in that pretty pink. And uh, finally, you have something called Crisp Gin. Yeah. So this is part of our Elk Grader series. Our owner, Jennifer, her family settled in the Quinault area of Washington in the late 1800s, and her ancestors actually found elk and domesticated them and rode them, which is crazy. (laughs) It's a crazy story. I see there. You're right. There's a person (laughs) on your label there. Yeah. He's smaller than the rack of horns on there. (laughs) The the Elk Rider line is all tradition-based, and so it's a very traditional style of crisp gin. And it's distilled from Washington white wheat, and then we do a distilled infusion of the juniper berries, and we use coriander and sweet orange peel as well. I like it. It's simple uh, ingredients, but it's um, it's delicious. Yeah, I, it I really a... like this. I like the uh, idea of having a crisp gin versus a dry gin. Yeah. Because, oh, that guy's just so dry. Crisp sounds, <laughs> you know, crunchy and fun. Um, really tasty. And this is 80 proof, which... Uh... It's actually 94 proof. Oh, it is 94. I'm <laughs> yes. looking at the label. Mm, it's very balanced. Yes. Lovely. Uh, how much does that run? That is about 20 plus tax. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I really like that. I'm, I'm into gin. I like a simple gin. Mm-hmm. Very tasty. Yeah, and it has a nice citrus finish, which makes it really really nice for martinis or gin and tonics. Website? HeritageDistilling.com. All right. Hannah Hanley with Heritage Distilling, uh, such a treat. Well, we've got uh, 20 more flavors to go, and I look forward to having you back on Happy Hour Radio. Great. Thanks for having me. I uh, love it. Hey, folks, we'll stick around. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, some cool beers from my pal Ben... Bennett, and uh, he's with Artisanal uh, Imports here in Seattle. Um, time for a little brewski. Yeah, so stick around, folks. Uh, if you have any questions, don't be afraid to ask. It's ask at happyhourradio.net and stick around. We'll be right back on 570 KVI. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, hey, that's me, Seattle, Puget Sound. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three. Hope you got something great in your glass. We're going to switch gears uh, from those lovely flavored vodkas and that crisp gin from Heritage Distilling Company. Now moving on to uh, something very old, traditional, and special. Um, I'm not talking about Mr. Benjamin Bennett, though. He is special. And uh, i got to say, hey, Benjamin, welcome to Happy Hour. Hi. Hey, we're going to talk about uh, Trappist ales and Trappist monks and uh, Trappist beers. Um, but first of all, you work for Artisanal Imports. Uh, give me a little history about that company. Uh, Artisanal Imports has been around about 15 years, and it was a partnership fo- formed between a few different people that had been working in the import industry for in, for quite a few years, um, namely my bosses. Bob, <laughs> Those guys? <laughs> yeah, Bob Leggett and uh, <laughs> Lanny Hoff. 
they uh, they they had a deep love of Belgian beers and and artisanal you know products and put together a, a really interesting portfolio. And over the years, it's changed a little bit, but we're still moving forward and uh, we've got some really great brands. Yeah, I'm looking at your card and your card is uh, really well done. Um, here's some of the names: uh, Latrap, Deuce, Veltins, Martins. Um, it looks like Sun Sinner, but it's Sunner, uh, Saint Fulian, uh, Triple Carmeliet. And uh, the Trooper, which I think is an homage to uh, our friends from Iron Maiden. Um, but you specialize in beers and spirits or wine, too? Just beer and spirits right okay. now. I like that. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the beers. Obviously, you have a bunch of European beers. Um, nothing domestic, correct? Uh, we actually do have a domestic beer that's not available here in Washington, but we, own a brewer- we, we co-own a brewery with one of our breweries from Brazil that's based in Chula Vista, California. Oh, okay. So it's kind of importing from California. <laughs> um, when it comes to Trappist Ales, uh, obviously we're talking about um, abbeys and monks, where monks live. And the monks, obviously, uh, Christian, um, uh, what do you call it, Christian, uh, it's not a society, but anyway, they're a... a um, uh, well, they they pray a lot, <laughs> but they also uh, are agrarians, and they uh, plant their own food, and they write. Uh, you know, the monks were p- pretty much the educated people uh, throughout my medieval times, and they are the ones who, uh, well, helped um, form form the uh, the basis for the French AOC and the wine world and the great vineyards. And they also made great beers. Obviously, uh, you needed something to celebrate the blood of Christ, and uh, apparently they, they have something when they're not celebrating that. Um, talk about uh, Trappist Ales. Trappist Ales is a designation that was started similar to the AOCs that you were just speaking of in France around ni- 1997. There, That was originally eight Trappist uh, abbeys that did that. Koningshoven was one of them at the time, which is what La Trappe became. Now there's 11 of them. Two of them are based in the Netherlands. There's one in the United States, one in Austria, and six in Belgium. One in Austria. Interesting. And so uh, La Trappe sounds French or is it Belgian? La Trappe is actually a French word. Okay. And uh, so I, I'm surprised to learn that in 1997, the AOC for Trappistales was actually defined. Well, it just wasn't a thing up until then. Yeah. You know, a lot of these breweries were brewing Pilsners in the 60s, which is what La Trappe was doing. Interesting. And so um, I think the Trappist Dales are primarily known for uh, what they call open-top fermentation. They're open-fermented, then they're bottle-conditioned, so there's a second fermentation in the bottle as well. Right. So they get a little more wild, uh, what they call rogue yeast flavors, a little more complexity, a little more sauvage, if you can use a French term, which means a little savage and wild. Um that's what makes these beers so interesting. And I always like that they're in big, big bottles. <laughs> You've got some big bottles here. Um, how? What are the expressions of uh, La Trappe beers or ales you have today? Uh, today I have with us, uh, we've got the La Trappe Triple, the La Trappe Isidore, and the La Trappe Quadruple. But they also produce a Bach, which is the only Trappist Bach, a Wit beer, which is the only Trappist wheat beer, and a Double as well. Okay, so when we're talking about double, uh, double, doppelbach, uh, chapel, and quadruple, um, these are terms of basically the strength of the beer. Is that right? Yes. Traditionally, they were those terms were used to to talk about how much grain was actually used, twice the amount of grain or three times the yeah. amount of grain. But now they generally just reflect the alcohol percentage of the beer. Right. So um, f- for a chapel, what is the alcohol there? Is that a like seven plus? 
It generally is, yeah. You're not going to find many triples less than seven. <laughs> this one's eight. All right. Uh, lucky eight. Well, uh, poor taste. And um, when it comes to these uh, beers, these ales, uh, there's special glassware to enhance the aroma and flavor. Um, I noticed you have two very uh, classic-looking glasses. They're called Chalice. Is that right? That's correct. Every Belgian beer and Trappist ale has its own, own glass, um, sometimes two if they have different styles of beer. But it's designed to enhance the beer's aroma, flavor, and be more visually appealing. It is visually appealing. And I also, I also think um, it looks like a very large uh, coupe glass. Um, obviously, chalice makes sense because those guys, the abbeys and the monks, they had uh, something to follow, to imitate, emulate. And, uh, well, this is a very pale um, a pale hazelnut color. Uh, the effervescence is um, it's lively. And uh, you have a nice uh, foam head here. Um, the, the aroma is... Mm. It, it's such a vanilla. You get some of that almond, but also this very light peach or, or fruit pear note. Mm -hmm. I dig it. And um, this is this one's from France? This one's from the Netherlands, actually. They're one of the two Dutch Trappist ales. Oh. Mm. This is lovely. Um, a certainly different expression. This is not a guzzler. This is not something you have super chilled either. This is really something that the uh, temperature of the, this uh, beverage really enhances the flavor and allows it to swath around the palate. I like the, the very light um, uh, hop note on the finish. It gives it a nice dry appeal. It's funny that you use the word dry because they use dry hops to finish these because they don't want to oh, get right. that juicy bitterness that we love here so much in the Northwest. Yeah. They only want the actual... Um, ingredient of the hops that preserves the beer. Yeah, the terpenes. Um, so there's two ways to put uh, that hop flavor in beer. First of all, you can boil it with the mash, and um, or the wort, I should say, and that's what gives the bittering hops. And then you have the aroma hops, which is basically a dry hop process, and you get just enough here. Um, this is really tasty. What do these run, and, and how much of this uh, lovely tripel from La Trappe do they produce? You know, offhand, I'm not sure exactly how much they produce. I know when I was looking over some numbers the other day, they were the second largest producer of Trappist Ale behind Chimay, which is probably still the widest widest known Trappist Ale. Yeah, it's been around a long time. Um, fantastic stuff. And uh, any idea of when this was founded? 1400s, 1500s? It was founded in the 1800s. It was uh, 1884. 1884? That they founded okay. the, the uh, brewery there at Koningshoven. Oh, well, um, <laughs> I like that. So they probably broke off and said, hey, we're going to do our own thing. We got an idea. Um, they did. So much so that uh, in the 90s when all the, all the brewers at the time were getting old and retiring, they actually had to contract with another brewery to bring in some outside help. And they actually lost their designation for a short period of time. Oh, that makes sense. I see. And they got recertified. Uh, they were re-blessed. Uh, they were. Re after, after, after a long look at it, um, they realized that the monks were still overseeing all the aspects and all of the, the, the three criteria for being a trap still were still being met. So they got their designation back, and that's when they relaunched as the trap. Well, let's try the Isidore. And uh, I wonder if you can say these beers have sort of that monk funk. <laughs> <laughs> well, each each Bel each Belgian or Trappist brewery has their own house yeast strain or multiple strains, depending on on who it is that they've developed over the centuries. That's cool. That's I hear that when prison blocks too. They all got their own little yeast strain, <laughs> <laughs> making their hooch. Ah, this one looks darker, um, more of a roasted uh, malt or a roasted mash roasted mash bill. Uh, Isidore, um, tell me about this one. So Isidore was originally brewed for. Um, the head brewer's retirement party a few years ago, and they'd mm -hmm. made a, a barrel-aged one-off version, but it was so popular that they brought it into the 
into the regular lineup. Uh, now that's more of a, a Northwest style um, ale or beer, and uh, it's very round on the palate. It has some extra body, um, certainly a little more roast flavor. Um, really a mo- uh, pecan or walnut uh, roasted, and um, very soft bittering hops or sorry uh, aromas. This is really nice and dry. This really clears the palate. This reminds me of a great food beer. It definitely is, and it. Cheese in particular, this Ooh, beer yeah. is def- a lot of really good friends with. Yeah, those mugs. That's why they got so big. They're just eating beer and cheese. They're from Wisconsin. This is great. <laughs> uh, what's the alcohol here? Uh, this one, I believe, is right at the same at eight percent. Let me double check, though. I like it, and that's the seven point uh, five. Is that eleven point five ounce bottle or something like that? Eleven point two. Yeah, three thirty mil. Uh, three thirty. Excellent. Um, well, we have one more beer, and that's called a quadruple. Uh, let's get an idea of uh, quickly what does the Trapel and the Isidore run by the bottle. Uh, the Trapel and the Isidore, they're all, they're all somewhere between eleven and thirteen dollars. And the, the Trapel is uh, it looks like seven fifty. I like that. Um, are those cork finished or cap finished? They're caged and corked. Very cool. So yeah, uh, all of them. That's extra classy. <laughs> it's the traditional way. The, the beers are also rested in the brewery after bottling, um, in in a warm room yeah. where they finish their their. Their fermentation the second process. fermentation to put the bubbles in it. So cool. We have one more uh, Trappist Dale. That'll be the quadruple. So when we come back from this break, I'll uh, rejoin my pal Benjamin Bennett with Artisanal Imports here in Seattle. We've got uh, some fantastic brewskis. Uh, La Trap from uh, the Netherlands, made by monks, and uh, they taste great. That monk funk. Hey, folks, stick around. We'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, happy Saturday night. It's Happy Hour Radio. And welcome back, folks. It's uh, time for our final segment, segment four, and how appropriate, because... uh, we're celebrating uh, the monks, the abbeys of around the world who make Trappist ales with my friend Benjamin Bennett of Artisanal Imports here in Seattle. Um, he's got these great bottles of ale called La Trap. And uh, Benjamin, you were just telling me about how this is actually a new product in the market. Well, it's not exactly new. It's been around in one way, shape, or form for a long time, but it's never really all been here at once. And we're, that's the, the plan for this month. We're getting ready to do a relaunch. We're bringing in all the different versions on draft. All the different versions in both size bottles, and we're going to be out out talking to everybody about it, doing some events. Next month is the the national holiday of of the Netherlands King's Day. Oh right! So we have the export manager and the U.S. brand manager from La Trap coming to town to support for events for that. Oh, I got to have um, him on the show. Oh, I, that would be great. Yeah, yeah I'll really talk to him. fun. So cool. Well, we're talking about segment four, and you've got this uh, the beer called Quadruple. And that means something for right. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, back back to the conversation before it would it would have traditionally meant four times the malt. Now again, it it goes to just the style of beer, strong beer generally ten percent, which I believe this one is. Yeah, exactly ten percent. Dark, rich. They're often brewed with the addition of spices. 
although I don't believe this one is. No, this one's pretty clean and definitely a little more roast flavor. Um, again, there's such a creaminess on the palate here, which just really surprises me. I think that's because the lack of the bittering hops. Typically, that bittering effect with the carbonation makes it even more little what we call acidic with its carbonic acid. Um, but these are generous, generously round and robust like a monk, I would believe. Um, this is yummy. So, Netherlands, uh, they get their wheat from the Netherlands or their grains? Are they using barley? What's the typical source? Uh, they, they're using a mixture of both at times because they do produce a wheat beer. Um, but the the... Their source is all natural, I know that, yeah. and it's all hand-selected by the monks. I don't believe they're growing all their grain anymore. Yeah, that, the I mean, amount of you've production got farmers, and you need that land. I think, uh, you know, someone took all their church's <laughs> land at one point. Uh, Napoleon! <laughs> um, well, this is really cool. Uh, I love this idea. I haven't had Trappist deals, and I think one of the challenges with these types styles, styles of beers is that they are just outside the norm of what we're used to. And I think it's taking a, a, a big jump to get into something which is a little more tangy, a little more expressive, a little more complex. Um, but these are very, very uh, comfortable and friendly beers. And I like the extra the extra added power here. I mean, Trappel and, you you know, you got a fourth gear on these brews. Sure, sure. Um, the extra, you know, the Belgian candy sugar that they use, the extra alcohol percentage definitely makes them a little more fun. Um it, it, you know, oh, like, they capitalize. I mean, they add actual sugar to these, to the uh, wort to give a little more alcohol. Yeah, um, in the final fermentation. Oh, I see. Right, the additional. Okay, the secondary fermentation. That's that makes sense. Yeah, scoopy you gotta, scoop of sugar. Yep, you got to add that too. And these are unfiltered and unfined, obviously, because they're bottled conditioned. So y you will find a little bit of this, uh, the yeast cells in there, which are really full of vitamin, vitamin B12, which they're good for you. Okay. Um, not too much, of course. And so sometimes when you see a cloudy beer, it's not necessarily bad or faulty. That's just the style, much like the wheat beers. Sure, sure. Yeah, we 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 in the industry refer to them as the bugs. <laughs> the and, bugs. And uh, you know, or or lees is the is the term in in French, but um, you know, some people like them, some people don't. It de they definitely have a, a different flavor, and it's traditional to leave the bottom you know, one inch in the bottle and yeah. let people decide if they want to drink that or not. That's right. Yeah. I personally it's do. Like, <laughs> the the worm in the mezcal or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it actually should be there. It should be there. <laughs> um these are lovely. So they make about seven or eight expressions of the Trappist tales from La Trappe in the Netherlands. You talk about a whip beer, a bock, uh, a double and uh they've got an organic that's coming out called Pure, which we'll be getting in here soon. Interesting. They do the only bock and only wit of Trappist tales. And then they've got the quad, double, triple. Yeah, and, these uh, are great. The Isidore. Of Some course. of the re retail outlets or bars we can find these at. You know, all your Whole Foods are going to be carrying these. Um, Total Wines, Browers Cafes, always oh, yeah. been a, been a strong supporter of the brand. It's actually where I discovered it when I worked there years ago. Cool. Um, and West Seattle is that place? Uh, the beverage Junction? beverage place. They've got they've got La Trap oh. Quad on draft right now. Ooh, nice. Um, Beer Junction is where I purchased these bottles. All right. Um, you know, our friends at Bottle Works are always carrying the stuff. Good stuff. Um, and uh, if someone wants to do some research, uh, does your website have uh, some information? It has all of the information. It's the it, it's one of my favorite websites. Again, one of the reasons I work for the company is just they've got everything. It, you know, you, there's no secrets. You can get all the information there. It's, the not, cell it's sheets. not an Abby or Monk. You've got everything online. Uh, Artisanalimports.com with my friend Benjamin uh, Bennett. Hey, uh, Benjamin, I want to have you back, and uh, we'll try some more beers. Will you come back?
It sounds great. Awesome. Hey, Le Trap beers from Holland, from the Netherlands. Uh, great stuff. Uh, you got to try it. It's delicious. And don't serve it too cold. Uh, hey, that wraps up the show <laughs> with uh, vodkas and gin and beers. Oh, my. And uh, thank my friend Maximilian Petty, the chef over at Eden Hill. Hey, folks, uh, Taste Washington's coming up at the end of the month. Well, the 1st of April, 2nd and 3rd. So I'd like to see you there. We'll be pouring coral wines. And uh, circle the date, April 10th, Koshan, five, 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 five chefs, five heritage pigs, and five wineries. Going to be at the Fairmont Hotel. I will be there. You should plan to be there. It's the most amazing pork fest ever. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Look forward to seeing you next week. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.